Living in retrospect is a bad idea, and sometimes we let our same old stories hold us back from the new adventure God has for us. But here's the truth. God wants to restory us, transforming our tales of tragedy into epics to anticipate. In this podcast, Mary DeMuth interviews people who have lived through God's powerful restory process, where they've discovered healing, joy, and a brand new perspective. So let's shed that old, painful story and find the freedom we've been longing for. The Restory Podcast starts now. Restory Show, episode number 13. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash restory. Now they have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, or any other MP3 player. Today, I'm really excited about welcoming Oceana Fleiss to the show, and she has an unusual story. I say that every week, but this is truly one of those times. I haven't often um, interviewed a modern-day Lazarus, and that's all I'll say about her story, but suffice to say, amazing things that God did in and through her life. My hope and prayer for this episode is that you will finish it, and when you're done, you will look yourself in the mirror. And you will realize that there's still time on this earth for you to do the work of the kingdom of God, to be faithful, to be kind and gracious and compassionate and to love the people in your life, to slow down enough to see how beautiful this life is and to just understand that there is purpose to your pain. There is purpose to what's going on. Do not give up, my friend. Do not give up because this is an amazing life. And Oceana's story just highlights that today. So let's go ahead and listen to her story. Hey, everyone. I am so excited to have Oceana Fleiss with me on the Restory podcast. And she has an incredible story that I heard the first time at Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference. She was in my mentoring group and she just had like this startling statement to say, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But, uh, once she shared that statement, you know, we had to ask the rest of the story because it was such a shocking story. So Oceana, thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your past. So you grew up in kind of a transitional home. I would say not, I mean, you had a home, but uh, it wasn't your typical, I don't know what's typical anymore, but you know what I'm saying. I just asked you a really weird question, but go ahead and answer <laughs> it. <laughs> um, you mean, I grew up with my my mom and my dad, but my dad had, I was his only child. And, but I had siblings that were not from him. Right. And so I had step, stepsisters and a stepbrother and, um, some strange dynamics that happened with that because my one sister didn't know that she was adopted by him. And so it was just a little, a little different. A little bit crazy. And how did you, um, how did you meet Christ? Did you meet Christ in the midst of that or after? Or how did that, how did that work for you? I think that there was always some kind of a hunger for Christ, but mm. my, my family was definitely not a Christian family when I was a small child, and we didn't go to church or anything. Um, but I had kind of a hunger for, for God. And uh, honestly, a friend across the street when I was four years old, she and her family prayed at their dinner when mm. they would have me over. And that just fascinated me. And I asked her, what are you doing? I finally got up the nerve to ask her, what, what is this? 
and she just told me it's just talking to my friend and so i tried to do what she did and from then on i i kept praying and praying every day just to this friend that i kind of out there i didn't really know about jesus i didn't know about the bible i didn't know anything except just this friend and then as i got older uh another friend invited me to church when i was in third grade and that's when I went to Sunday school and learned, just through my Sunday school teacher, learned what, who Christ was and prayed the little prayer with my Sunday school teacher to, to ask Jesus in my heart. And he's always been there ever since. That's a great story. I think we forget about, you know, we try to revel in the big stories, you know, like, oh, I was on drugs and then I met Jesus. But, you know, I love those stories of just how simple it is for a family to be praying around a table and that to have a great impact on you or another family to invite you to church and how simple that is, but how profound it altered the, sh- the rest of your life. So let's skip forward a little bit. And eventually, uh, you met somebody that became a husband, uh, your yes. husband. <laughs> Tell me yes. how that went. How did you meet him? And how did that <laughs> courtship go? And and how much longer after that did you get married? <laughs> how did I meet Michael? Oh, um, well, I was going through a time of dating and, you know, after high school and kind of college age. And I I just got so tired of dating. I hated it. And I just decided that I was not going to date anymore until I was 30. How long did that vow last? <laughs> 30. I was a long time from now. And, um, and then I got kind of bored and lonely. And uh, a friend of ours kept inviting me to go out with this guy, Michael. And I was like, no, I am not dating right now. And slowly, I just was so bored that I finally <laughs> said, well, we can kind of go and, and hang out. Not really a date. But um, he was just a nice guy, and <laughs> I couldn't help it. He was so <laughs> kind and loving and just so sweet. And so um, just through through that, we got to know each other and soon hooked up and just decided we're going to get married, and it all happened really fast after that. So, so how long after he asked you to marry him did you get married? Um, about six months. Okay, so that is yeah, pretty quick. That was the same for so us, too. So we knew too. each other for about a year. Okay. Altogether. That's exactly the same as our story. Six months engaged, six months married. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And then you started to have little people. So tell me yes. about your children. Oh, well, um, it was a long journey to have children for us. We waited a while and then uh, struggled with infertility. And I had a couple miscarriages, which were just devastating. And, um, but then by God's amazing grace, somehow I finally saw that double line on the little strip Mm -hmm. and, um, I had a baby inside and that was, that was 15 years ago. Oh, almost 16 years ago now. So, so we have a 16 year old or he's almost 16, 15 year old uh, boy and then a 14 year old girl and then 11 year old boy and a nine year old girl. Very fun. So two more for the Brady Bunch, but four is good and plenty. For <laughs> four is enough. Four is enough. And people two ask me. at once is, is enough. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Oh, yes. And you're going to have a driver. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. I've just been in denial. Yeah. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so we've set the stage for you. You met Christ when you were a little girl. You met your husband in your 20s and got married and had four children. And then take us back to a couple years ago where you experienced the most, one of the most traumatic things that you've been through in your life. And it starts with you basically going to bed, right? Yes, exactly. So what, I what year was that, by the way? 2011. 11, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's been almost five years. It will mm. be five years in January. So, yeah, I was a really busy girl. I was working really hard and and editing a lot and doing a lot of stuff with the kids and homeschooling and everything. And I was uh, just so overwhelmed and so stressed out. And it got to the point where I was just sitting at my computer uh, typing and just put my hands down, just tears coming down and just asking God for rest. Mm. I just need rest. Please give me rest. And I had always prayed, help me to be more productive. Help me to produce more and get more things done and do more and more. And I finally, it was like that came to an end. And I just said, please give me rest. Well, not long after that prayer, um, I, I did. I was in bed watching TV with my husband, Michael. And, um, and all of a sudden, my breathing changed. And he heard me kind of gasping and, and uh, coughing. And uh, he didn't know it was wrong. He thought maybe I was having a seizure or something. But um, my my hands clung clung up to my chest as I was grasping for air. And and then he realized that something was really wrong. And then I stopped moving altogether. And um, yeah, it was he was terrified. And he. Uh, had my my son came in. He was yelling my name, darling, darling. He called me darling, <laughs> and uh, and my son came in and uh, to see what was happening. And he told him to go get the phone and called. So my son, the oldest son, went down and got the phone. And my husband called nine one one and they talked him through chest compressions. So thank God for nine one one because they told him what to do and. So he had to count to 100. They tell you to count to 100, and he counted to 100, I, I think, five or six times. Mm. And uh, still no, no response from me at all. My body was getting cold, and it was just mm. not moving. And then they came really fast. We lived close to the place, and so they came. And uh, within it, about 10 minutes since the whole thing began, and they put the defibrillator on, and the machine tells them to push the button, and... Uh, shocked my body but it didn't work the first mm. time and uh but they did it again thank goodness <laughs> don't just do it once because uh, the next time it worked and my body in like in the movies your body you, they always kind of like move and choke and cough, but that didn't happen i was still in a coma mm. but they saw that my heart was beating and then they quickly rushed me uh to the hospital in the coma still mm. and uh, as they were on their way out, they told my husband and my son that not to get their hopes up, that mom probably wouldn't come home. There's not a big chance if you have a cardiac arrest to mm-hmm. survive. There's only, uh, nationally, it's uh, 5% that that you survive a cardiac arrest. Where I live, it's a little bit higher than that. It's up to 50%, but it's still not really for sure that it's going to be okay. Right. And so, of course, they were terrified. 
And of course, you're unconscious during this whole time. So you don't know, you had to hear the story from his perspective. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember anything at all about that, that time at all. Um, I know that they took me to the hospital and they cooled my body down. Mm -hmm. Um, They do that to help you from getting brain damage because your body is not pumping blood very well. And so your brain isn't getting oxygen like it should. And so they cool it down to slow down and let your heart just do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And and so then um, they, after a couple of days in the coma, they they warmed, they let my body warm up. And then they don't know they can put you in a coma, which I was already in, but then they did the drug-induced thing to keep mm-hmm. me there. But when they take that away, they don't know, they can't wake you up. They can put you in a coma, but they can't wake you up. They just... Hope See, that you wake up. Hope that you yeah. wake up. Exactly. <laughs> wow. And so uh, they didn't know if I would wake up. Mm. And that night as they're slowly letting my body get back to normal or try to get back to normal, uh, I had another mm. cardiac arrest. And uh, and that's pretty much when my husband kind of lost it. Mm-hmm. He was holding himself together up until that point, but... Uh, after that is when it was just too much. And, you know, I, I think about how much he was trying to hold it together and how hard he was trying to be strong for the kids. But it was just God's grace that, that held him along that way. And, and God was there when he had that really dark, sad moment, too. He he said he knew that God was with him even during that that really dark moment for him. And it wasn't the first time, was it? Like when they, sh- they had to shock you more than once the second time? Yes. Yes, he did. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's when he thought, okay, I don't think she's going to make it. Mm. So that was a really hard moment for him. And then do you have, do you have a memory of waking up or what that was like? Because obviously you woke up because we're talking right now. (laughs) Everybody, the end of the story is good. Well, I, I, I don't remember it completely. It's foggy, Mm -hmm. but I do kind of remember sort of like, like your consciousness kind of coming to uh, awareness. It's not like when you wake up from sleep and you're just asleep and then you're awake. It was more of, it was slower. It was a gradual thing. And, and it was kind of like my senses were all separated out. Like I felt things and I heard things and I kind of smelled things, but I didn't all together. It was like separated. And, um, and then slowly just kind of, figuring out, okay, that's a person right there sitting by my bed. And, oh, and there's another person. And then, and then it was just exciting. <laughs> I don't know if other people who have woken up from comas had that feeling, but for me, it was just so happy. I wanted to be there. I was just so excited to, to be feeling things and to be alive and to be awake mm-hmm. or waking up. Um, it was a, a huge rush of joy at that moment. And um, so, yeah, I, re- I vaguely remember seeing... Uh, two ladies sitting uh, by my bed, uh, two friends of mine that, that one is my sister-in-law and one was my friend Kim that have no connection hmm. and just being so confused about why are they together. <laughs> they, they're totally from different parts of my life and I was hmm. so confused. That was the main thing that I was thinking at that moment. But um, but then after that ended, then it was kind of just wanting Michael just to... Uh, the, the only thing that mattered right at that moment was I just wanted Michael. Mm. And uh, and he had come in a little bit after that had started, that process. And so I 
remember kind of parting and just seeing his face and his smile and his loving eyes looking at me. So that was a good thing to wake up to. That is good. And so you were in the hospital at this point. How, how long? Um, let's see. I was in on Saturday night and uh, I think I woke up on Tuesday. So that's not too long. And then how much longer were you in the hospital before you went home? Well, I got to go home on Friday. You're so kidding. Was, oh my gosh. I, that's crazy. I know. It was prayer. I really believe people were praying all over the world for mm. me. I found out later that um, I didn't even know people were people that I didn't know were praying for me. And that's a very odd thing. You yeah. know, like, you know, it doesn't happen every day that uh, people in the Philippines or people in Australia or people, you know, all over the place. Uh, were praying for me. I still mm. sometimes meet people that say, oh, I prayed for you. Wow. And, like that I don't even know. It happened not that long ago. And that just shows to me, that shows God's love for me, that he had his people be praying for me. That's just another way that I felt his love was through the prayers of, of his people. But so, yeah, so everybody was shocked. The nurses were shocked and, and they were, were, the news around the hospital apparently was that, that I was going to be leaving so soon and that I didn't have brain damage and and all the things that could happen um, that I was able to go home. For the listeners of Restory, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to check out their service. Today, I'm going to suggest that you try the Story, NIV. So this is the new international version, the Bible as one continuing story of the Word of God and His people. And uh, in there, you're going to find all sorts of amazing stories like Oceana's. So try that, and um, but maybe you want to read something else or listen to something else. You can download this, The Story, NIV, or any other book that you've been wanting to listen to at audibletrial.com forward slash restory. Again, that is audibletrial.com forward slash restory for your free audiobook. And did you have the defibrillator at that point, or did they put it in later? Did yeah, you before have- I left. Before you left the hospital, they put it yeah. in. Okay, good. I was like getting yeah. stressed out for you on <laughs> <Yeah>. your behalf. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, they put in a defibrillator. I have a defibrillator in my chest that is there. So if, it, if I ever have another cardiac arrest, it will just automatically shock me. And so that is supposed to be 99% uh, that it'll save my life. Mm. And and, and they, they, they're funny about it. I, I asked, well, what happens when that happens? Do I need to go to the hospital? And they're just, no, just give us a call if it happens. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very comforting to have that. So. And so then you had to recover. I mean, this must have been, as someone who sounds like a type A, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know you're a writer. You're like me. So you've got all sorts <laughs> of things and edits and writing in various stages it must have been hard for you to, I mean, God answered your prayer for rest, but how was that recovery period for you? Yeah, I basically I had to just sleep and watch Netflix for, <laughs> <laughs> for a long time. And, uh, and it, people came and took care of our home for us. People from the church blessed us by cleaning and bringing mm. food and doing homeschooling. And it was, it was amazing. And it was it was a time of really just sitting back and not, not doing much. And the weird thing about it was that I actually liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice to, to just be able to think and kind of do my own thing and get the rest that I needed and not be so intense all the time and not yeah. 
be rushed and, and to be able to say, okay, I have this much energy and I'm going to use that. I, I have to choose what I can use that energy on. And that makes you think, okay, mm -hmm. am I going to use that energy on trying to get something done or am I going to use that energy on loving my kids hmm. and sitting there and just holding my daughter in my lap and reading a book to her or listening to my teenager tell me about his day? It, it opened that world up to me. And I'm so grateful. For, for that reason alone, I wouldn't trade having the cardiac arrest completely change the way uh, the way I look at life because I don't have a choice anymore now I have to rest even now and back then even more so and I get to choose how I spend my time and how and what's important so so talk a little bit about worry and stress <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think all of us battle this this is a huge issue for all of us and trust and all of that and you had an, a major medical event and I know that at the time, you didn't even have the strength to ask your husband how much that would have been. So tell us a little bit about the process of figuring out the financial burden and the worry that you had. Yeah, the stress of the busyness was something that kind of was able to kind of put aside. But the money stress is, is different. And I don't anybody who's been through money stress knows that it's something that um, in some ways it's harder than like a death because like when my mom passed away there's this intense grief but it kind of slowly dissipates and you slowly heal and you get better and it still hurts and the grief never completely goes away but but it's not always this heavy burden on you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but when you don't know how you're going to pay the bills the next month or that you can't get your child a birthday present that you want to get them or you have to go to the food bank to get not just their food but their Christmas presents, or you can't afford to buy a Thanksgiving dinner, or you have things breaking down in your house, like the garbage disposal that doesn't work, or the garage door that doesn't work, or the car breaks down. All these things, it's just, it's this constant burden, and it's so hard to not be stressed about that. It's, it's just a constant daily struggle. And the money, uh, you know, people start asking me questions about the medical bills. Mm. And I think I didn't really worry about it until people were like, oh, can we help with your medical bills? And I was like, oh, we're going to have medical bills. <laughs> and it just kind of uh, came to my attention that way. But uh, because people were being generous to help us. But I asked my husband what the cost would be. And he said it would be uh, $130,000. Mm. And, uh, and that was just completely you know, we were already on the edge of losing everything and that I thought, that's it. We're just done. But then I thought to ask, well, how much does MediShare cover? Because that's the, the healthcare plan that we have. And he said, well, they, what did he say? He said, they cover, uh, we have to pay for all but a, a thousand dollars. <laughs> and I freaked out, but I got it wrong. He actually said, we only have to pay a thousand dollars. So it was a relief, but that was such an answer. I mean, I hadn't even really prayed about that yet, but it was such a gift from God that that wasn't something that we had to worry about in that, in that sense that a thousand dollars didn't seem like much compared to 130. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was such a gift to, to just have that relief of that. I think the thing about 
the money stress that I've learned, um, that I still am learning, is that what I didn't realize before is that Jesus had everything. He was in heaven. He was the king of heaven, the king of the world, the king of the universe. And, and he gave that up to come down and to live a humble, poor life here and give, gave up his life. And by me, in my small way, coming from having a pretty secure childhood and, and pretty secure life to getting to being struggling and having barely anything, it occurred to me that maybe I'm sharing in his suffering a, mm. a little in a small way. Maybe I am, and maybe that is not something that I have to fight against and, and mourn and battle, but I can think of it as an honor. And so that's where I I try to stay in that place where when it's a struggle, when our finances are a struggle, okay, this is an honor, and this is, you know, Christ is with me, and he knows he's been through this too, and and I can just rest in that. So that helps me a little bit. It's good news. I know that that, I mean, I think everybody has that struggle in some way, like even people who have wealth struggle with worry about money. You know, it's just, it gets at, you know, your worth and your identity and all of that kind of stuff. I I personally struggle with it as well. It's just a hard thing and uh, it forces you to trust God. And sometimes I kind of wish you wouldn't have to, like, can't we just be provided for and it's fine. (laughs) So great. But uh, that doesn't always happen that way. Uh, You also have a funny little story that you ended up on a commercial, didn't you? Yeah, the power of a thank you note. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, MediShare, um, like I said, I was so grateful that that they paid for everything. And I just wrote a little note thanking them for, uh, well, they're just a wonderful organization. They pray for you over the phone and they are so willing to help help you. And, and the members share the cost and you get letters from other members saying that they're praying for you. And it's just wonderful. So I just wrote this little note told my story just in a few words about my cardiac arrest and what I'd struggled with. And a couple years later, hmm. it ended up, uh, I hear my story, the words, I remembered the words that I wrote because it wasn't very on the radio. <laughs> and I'm like, that's me. That's my story. And, um, and then out, they did a radio ad based on my story. And then that turned into a television commercial that they did um about my story and they were it was such a blessing it you know in those moments when things seem so bleak and so dark and then all of a sudden this really happy thing happens and so i was able to go to florida and uh, film a commercial that they paid for all expenses and it was just an incredible incredible gift that i was able to do that so i'm very blessed to be part of metashare so that's awesome. What a great story. Yeah. And so yeah. fun to hear that so much of that tab was picked up. It's just really amazing. And yeah. I think you're right about the power of a thank you note. Um, there are, we have, I, I wrote thank you notes today. Actually, I wrote about 15 thank you notes and, and I thought to myself, you know, Lord, just use these words as encouragement to someone. Maybe they need to receive something in the mail today that is an encouragement. Mm-hmm. And you and I are both writers. So we mm-hmm. both write for a living or a quasi living. <laughs> and uh, so, but it, you know, maybe our more significant words are those personal words that we share of gratitude to someone else or encouraging words like that. We can't dismiss right. a thank you note. 
Absolutely. It's important. Yeah, you never know how God's going to use your words. Yeah. You know, in any way. It doesn't have to be a big book that you're writing or a blog or just a, just a kind word. Yep. And I had the opportunity to review your book and to endorse it. And so tell, um, tell everyone, uh, the name of the book and then the journey of getting it published. Oh, okay. Um, it's called Love Like There's No Tomorrow, How a Cardiac Arrest Brought My Heart to Life. Mm. And it's published by Broad Street Publishing. And, oh boy, it was a long journey. I, uh, actually, I started speaking at MOPS groups about my story, and then a friend of mine, Trisha Goyer, actually said, you should write a book about that, <laughs> and um, I just do whatever she tells me to do. <laughs> <laughs> and you let people know, you, you write novels as well. I mean, like, that's yes. your thing, is you're a novelist. Right, yes. And uh, I thought, well, how, how different can a, a memoir be from a novel? <laughs> 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 but I was wrong. It was much different. Much but, different. Um, uh, so I went through the process of, of trying to figure out how to write this book and, and what, um, what it should look like. It went from kind of a parenting book to a parenting book slash memoir, and then it just ended up being a memoir. And what an incredible journey it is to write a memoir. Um, very painful in some ways. Going through, um, went through the story of my cardiac arrest, but I also go back to my past and some of the things that happened and I really was committed to being as real and raw and honest as I could possibly be which meant like crying all the time (laughs) so if you ask me what I did during those months I pretty much went to Starbucks and cried all day (laughs) because that's where I have to work is at Starbucks but um Who's that uh, poor crying lady in the corner? I know. <laughs> She's nursing I know, that know. latte. You know, they tap your back. Are you okay? I mean, that just makes it worse. <laughs> but um, crazy person there. But um, but then by just, you know, getting published is such an amazing thing. It's so much in God's hands. And trying to get publishers to get you to get to want your book. And they're so... So much, maybe it's like with anything that you really want and you're afraid that you're not going to get. And, and then it's like trying to trust God and not and, mm-hmm. and letting it go and then grabbing it on again. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was a, quite a few rejections that happened. And, uh, and then I actually have my friend Carlton Garborg. It's, uh, he's the one who did my other books for his other publishing company. And he's the owner of the publishing company, but I didn't know that he was doing a, had a company anymore mm. and, or that he was doing anything with books at the moment. And, uh, I just stumbled across, I don't even know how I found it on the web that his name came up and it was like, Oh, Carlton, he's, cause anybody would do it. I would want him to. And my husband said, call him, call him right now. And I was like, I can't, you call him. <laughs> He's our friend, so my husband called him for me because I was too afraid. And uh, and it's just one thing happened after another, and God just opened the door when it was time. He opened the door, and uh, and I, you know, I doubted and doubted and doubted until that, you know, I doubt that God cares and doubt that He wants to help me and all those mm-hmm. stupid doubts that you have. But it it is a journey, and it is uh, a time when you just know that God is taking care of you. Uh, that's what I knew by him opening that door for me. 
And I found in writing a memoir that God did all sorts of healing in me. Did that occur for you as well? Or just yeah. more crying? <laughs> <laughs> well, the crying is the healing. I True. Um, yeah. There were almost every chapter, like most of the chapters, I kind of had a general idea of what I would be talking about. But I didn't know what the really heart of it was. Like I said, I wanted there to be some kind of raw, real moment. And I didn't always know what it was or what really, what are you, what are you really teaching me here? What did you really show me through this event in my life? And I'd get stuck and I'd kind of be wrestling and saying, what, what is it? What is it? And, and there'd be that epiphany moment of like, oh, you know, I go, oh, and the more tears would come and oh, and, and it was always had something to do with his love for me. Mm. And so somehow through the, the stories of my life, I, as writing this book, I see this pathway of, of his love over and over and over and over again that I didn't purposefully do. They just, they just showed up as I was writing it. And, and just having that kind of picture of all the ways that God loved me all those years it, it definitely healed so many wounds along the way and, and makes me uh, have strength even and hope even now as I think about those things. So uh, I'll end with two questions. The first one is, for someone who is going through a health battle right now, what kind of advice would you give someone going through that? I think everybody's health battles are so different, but it's hard. It, it's so hard to not be able to do the things you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think the only thing that, that I could say that, that what helps me is to kind of lean into it, mm -hmm. to just accept, okay, I, this is where I am today and just sort of, okay, I have to embrace this and, and that whatever I'm able to do that day, that's my ministry. If, if I have to lay in bed all day, I can be praying, I can mm -hmm. be thinking about ways to, to serve, or even if I'm just resting, that's where God has me. And if I, if I wrestle with that and I think, oh, I want to get up, oh, I want to go do this and this, oh, I just, even the good things, you know, oh, I just want to make dinner for my kids, and, and sometimes I can't, um, that's when I'm anxious. That's when I'm frustrated and anxious. But if I can say, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be now is right here in bed. And I embrace that and realize that as I'm embracing rest, I'm also being embraced, hmm. that he's with me in that moment. And he hasn't forgotten about me. I think sometimes in health struggles, it's like, well, where are you, God? You know, or did you forget about me up in this bed by myself while the whole world is going along? And, and I have to remind myself that, no, he hasn't forgotten me. He still loves me like there's no tomorrow, and, and he will never leave me. And so looking back on this story, how has God restoried you? I think that the, the restoring is definitely the change in who I am from, from that high pressure, trying to get things accomplished, and all focused on those types of things to to being more of a person uh, who really who focuses on love above all these things put on love right mm -hmm. love is, love is the main i have found as i've studied and i've learned that love is such an important aspect of what 
God teaches us, and it's the most important thing. Um, but faith, hope, and love, but the grace of these is love. And, uh, and it may seem smushy and kind of cliche to say, but I've embraced that. And if I can love my kids in a, in a new way, if I can just have those quiet moments of, of stillness and, and connection with my kids and with whoever I'm around, and receiving God's love, knowing that He rose me from the dead, He mm-hmm. rose from the dead mm-hmm. Himself because of His life, He loves me, then that, once I really embrace that, then that's when the love flows out to, to everyone else as well. So when it's Easter Sunday, <laughs> you have a pretty unique perspective on it, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's another time for tears. <laughs> yes. For me, definitely. Yeah. God resurrected you. And I, I do believe that, he, obviously, that he did that. But I believe he does that for our hearts and our souls as well. I believe he takes those broken parts of us and he resurrects so many cool things and resurrects our story. And it's just such a convicting thing to talk to you because I am that crazy girl doing way too many things and um, who has fears aplenty. And I want to be just the loved child of God. And I think a lot of us listening, um, those listening included, we struggle with that. We think that to be loved, we have to be lovely, or we have to be lovable, or we have to be uh, busy so that he can love us because God only apparently loves busy people. So, <laughs> um, so it's just, it's so refreshing to hear your story, your voice. Um, I'm glad you're alive. <laughs> so awesome. And I know that our readers or our listeners will really love getting a hold of your book. So remind us again of the title. Love Like There's No Tomorrow, How a Cardiac Arrest Brought My Heart to Life. Thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you right now? Lord, thank you for life. Thank you for Oceana's life, for living and breathing and being able to be a mom to her children and for providing for her family and for giving her comfort and for slowing her down and teaching her what the most important thing about life is. Help us all to take from her story the nuggets that are there just this idea of cherishing the life that we have. We do not know what's going to happen next. We cannot predict the future, but we can be faithful in this moment. And for those who are overwhelmed today, who are feeling like life is just too much and too hard, I pray you would lift the burden right now in Jesus' name. You would just lift the weariness, the heaviness, the depression, the angry thoughts, the negative thoughts, the I'm not going to amount to anything, all of those things, Father, right now. I pray that you would lift them. Open our eyes to see the beautiful life that you have for us. Help us to live with gratitude and not grumbling, with joy and not despair, with hope and not just giving up every single time something bad happens. Help us instead to reorient our hearts and our thoughts and our minds toward you and thinking rightly about you and who you are. I trust you, Jesus, to answer this prayer for all my listeners today. And I also trust you to answer it for myself as I'm going through something very hard today that is heavy and big and I cannot shoulder it. So I'm just turning to you right now and asking you to shoulder what feels like a death in my life. And for anyone else who's walking through grief, who maybe has a friend who did die and pass away and went into glory, just be with us as we grieve. 
and help us not to short term um, short change that grief but to really press into it so we can get everything out of it and find you in the midst of that grief i pray all of this in jesus beautiful precious name amen if you'd like to know more about today's show with links and extended information please go to restoryshow.com forward slash 13 and may you live a brand new story this week